Hola, señor. What is happening? Buenos días. How's it going? Uh, mucho bueno. Aye, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> She's becoming a wee fatty now, which is good. <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> She'll be happy if you see that when she's older or later on. Dave's went on holiday and he's came back as Victor Mildred. <laughs> <laughs> Just full of moans the night, Dave. I really am, mate. I really am. <laughs> I, I, I was so annoyed after that Kilmarnock game. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm still annoyed. Aye. Our fuck count on this podcast must be off the charts now. <laughs> see, if we just start... Winning games, Derek, will be cheerful. I don't ask for much. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode and a new season of the iReady podcast, season 11, episode 1. I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I am very well. I'm delighted that we're back at our 11th season. Quite incredible that you're still getting me to come on and talk to you, talk absolute nonsense about our team, but we're back. Not quite, sure, not quite sure it's going to be a happy podcast, right enough, but I'm certainly delighted to be back and speaking to you about our team. I mean, you're talking about I'm speaking to you, it's more like I'm bloody still listening to you, that's what it is. <laughs> you sound like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, 11 seasons and the jokes are still the same shitty ones as well. And I was meant to do a whole host of stuff with the podcast during the, the wee break there, I was meant to change the music, but we've still got uh, Stephen Gerrard saying let's go at the start of it as well. I'm, I'm just lazy Dave, that's what it is. I actually just think that you're clinging on to past glories, Derek. I think, I think that's what it is. I think you've been struggling to find anything positive to put at the start of the podcast. So you've just went to the last time that we actually won anything, you know. So, but uh, I'm sure you'll come up with something uh, suitable in the future, Derek. Yes, yeah. we're back again. We've got a lot to, to cover. Obviously, a few games, obviously pre-season games, which I'll cover briefly. A couple of games, the Kelly game, which was dire. Thank God I was absolutely blutered for it. And the Servette game as well and well we'll get into that plus all the news that's happened in between so I know it's certainly late yeah. with there's a lot of stuff that's obviously happened a wee while ago but as runs with typical with our podcast we never managed to keep up with everything and we have extended breaks so you get what you get with us unfortunately Exactly. Life unfortunately gets in the way of Rangers, Derek. And I, when I was younger, I never thought I would hear myself say that, but uh, that's just how it is these days. Yes. So, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So just before we start, we've obviously got to cover a bit of sad news, Dave, because there was two unfortunate sad passings away uh, during the last couple of weeks there. Firstly, Tommy Muller-Nielsen, our former first-team coach, died at the age of 61 a few weeks ago. Uh, it was May 1997 under Walter Smith he signed. He stayed for three years. He helped Dick Advocat lift the treble as well in his first season. Uh, no age at all? No. Far, far too young to go, Derek, and again, 
thoughts are with his friends and family. Yes, absolutely. And another uh, sad passing as well, Trevor Francis died at the age of 69. He joined in 1987 under Graham Souness, 25 appearances. He won the League Cup. He was Britain's first £1 million player when he went to Notts Forest and he actually scored the winner in the European Cup final for them as well. Uh, again, 69, no age to, to die at all. Definitely not. Absolute legend, Derek. Legend, not only in the UK, but uh, world football. And, you know, we had the privilege of him playing for us, you know, albeit for a short time. But, you know, highlight definitely was when he scored that penalty uh, to help us win the cup at Hamden. Uh, You know, really sad as well. So, again, our thoughts are with these friends and family. Absolutely. So... Getting into this season, Dave, I mean, I think it would be remiss of us not to start with all the comings and goings in the transfer window, even though there's still another three weeks left of it. Yeah, and I've got a funny feeling, Derek, that there could be a couple of more signings to be made just going, you know how I love a rumour, Derek, but there's still a a few rumours flying there, uh, so I've got a feeling there could be one or two still to come in and going by what we've witnessed so far, that might be a good thing. Harry Kane for £87 million. <laughs> Aye, we can dream, we can dream. Can he play it right or left back? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll take anyone right now. But anyway, obviously we've got to cover the signings that actually happened. The incoming so far, Kieran Dowell, age 25, is a midfielder from Norwich. That was a free transfer until the summer of 2026. Dijon Sterling, 23-year-old defender from Chelsea. That was a free signing. He's uh, here until the summer of 2027. Jack Butland, 30-year-old goalkeeper from Crystal Palace. That was a free signing also. Uh, that's again until the summer of 2027. Sam Lammers, for age 26, is a forward from Atalanta. That's a £3.5 million signing here in until the summer of 2027. Abdul Seema, 22-year-old forward from Brighton. That's only on loan until the end of the season. Cyril Dessers, 28-year-old forward from Cremonese. Undisclosed fee, I'd say, for until the summer of 2027. A surprise, Dave, and I'm glad it's happened. Leon Balogun, 35-year-old defender from QPR, on a free until the end of the year as well. Needs no introduction, really. No. Definitely not, no, and a smart, a smart move, Derek. Like me, me and you both said. Yep. Maybe the what's been classed as the star signing of the the summer, Danilo, twenty-four year old striker from Feyenoord, five point six million. So a big wedge of cheddar that one there, and he's here until the summer of twenty twenty-eight. And the last but not least so far, Jose Cifuentes, age twenty-four year old midfielder from LAFC, that's on for one point two million pounds, and he's here until the summer of twenty twenty-seven. Now that he had already signed a pre-contract, but we paid the money yeah. up front to get yeah. him in just now yep certainly a lot of signings coming in Derek there's been a lot of money given out the the, the no, notable signings there straight away Jack Butland needs no introduction former England international playing in, in the Premiership certainly the, the calibre player that we've been crying out for on paper looks like a fantastic replacement for Alan McGregor the rest of the guys though Derek I honestly didn't know much about at all as you say, Danilo seems to be the one that we've really pulled out all, all the stops to sign. Playing in Holland, you know, relatively successful there. Only 24 years. We'll be expecting big things from him. But uh, like you said, Derek, there's a lot of money being uh, being spent there for us at this uh, point. And uh, we just have to really hope, going go with what we've seen and, and what you're about, about to get in. 
you know, signs of some being promising and others still uh, hit the ground running, eh? Yeah, I mean, if you look at them there, most of them all forward, uh, midfields and forward-thinking players as well. Now, I did see the ages as well because yep. you look at it up until, I said it in order we signed them as well, when we signed Leon Balogun, 35-year-old, people were losing their shit over the fact that us signing a 35-year-old. Now, it was never going to be an automatic first-choice yep. pick. Now, that yep. was never going to happen considering yep. we've still got, you know, Goldson, we've still got, we, we signed, obviously, Sterling, we, we've, we've got a uh, Suter as well, and we've still got Davis in the books as well. But if you look at it, 25, 23, 30 for the keeper, 26, 22, 28, and then you get to Leon Balogun, 35, well, we're signing a young team, so the people losing their shit over it, I didn't get it, Dave. The Leon Balogun signing, Derek, I thought was perfect sense. I was of the opinion that we should never let him go. He, he nope. said vocally that he would have stayed on for whatever we would have offered him. If you think about it, Derek, if we'd have had him playing for his last season experience-wise, I think we would have shored up that defence a hell of a lot better than what we did. No offence to young Leon King, but didn't have the, you know, the experience, especially for the the big games that Balogun did so I thought it was very short-sighted us, us letting him go because we could have had him in there for absolute peanuts to stay with the team but it brought him in I think it's a great signing you know for the money it won't be a lot he is only here for a season but he is there for cover Derek and I would rather have an experienced guy for cover that knows the club inside out like what he does, knows Scottish football, done well when he played in Scotland for us as well I would rather have him as a backup there Derek than an unknown Exactly, because bearing in mind we had a midfield James Sands playing in defence for some games yep. last season considering the injuries. So. And and John Lundstrom having to go into defence as well. So, you know, I, I think I think it was very sensible them going out and signing him. Yes. Looking at the outbounds now, we had quite a few outbounds and mainly that was because all the players were out of contract just about. Alan McGregor, Philip Hellander, Ryan Kent, Scott Arfield, all end of contract so they left. Ryan Kent has went to Fenerbahce as we said and Scott Arfield has signed for Charlotte FC so a good signing for that there. Yep. One that was really surprising came out of left field that Matthias Zyskowski actually came back to us because the club he was loaned to decided not to take him up on the, the loan to buy offer so he yeah. came back to us but he's went to be signed for Slask Wowkow or Rokow or something I don't know however they pronounce that one there for an undisclosed fee so it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's a minimal fee there big incoming here Antonio Cholak has went to Parma for £2.5 million I'm surprised but I'm kind of glad we've got a decent amount of a, a fee for him um, but yeah. he certainly had he was a goal scorer when he got the service last year so a wee bit disappointed that there yeah, it was, I'm glad. I mean, we've actually made more on him than what we spent, you know, Derek, which is good for us. He blew far too hot and cold for me personally. But when he was on forum, Derek, he was an excellent striker. But, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of our players, it was only for, for a few games at a time. There was, it didn't seem, and he was very unlucky with injuries as well, Derek. So you just have to take that one in the chin. But good that they've managed to recoup that amount of money for him. Yep. Lewis Mayo went to Kilmarnock for an undisclosed fee again it's, I think it's a low sum we'll maybe regret that because he actually ran the show against yes. us so um, we'll, we'll get into that uh, Ben Williamson has went on loan for a season to Patrick Thistle a big surprise here Fashion Sakala has went out to Saudi Arabia to Al Faya 
an undisclosed fee allegedly, but it's been apparently around four million pounds. So that's a fantastic recoupment of money that there. That's made profit, I believe. And it's kind of a no-brainer for him because he's getting apparently five million pounds per season. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic for him, Derek. He did have a genuine connection with the fans. I think he absolutely loved it here. But you know, when you're in his position, you got offered that amount of money. You knew that you're, you know, with all the new signings coming in, that you weren't going to get as much game time as you did before. It's an absolute no-brainer for him. So wish him all the best. And the, the rest of the players as well, Derek, we wish all the all the best. But for him that's a particularly you know that's a fantastic deal. I'm going to miss his cheeky wee smile. <laughs> yeah, we certainly. But we'll certainly not miss our heart in, in our mouth when he's got an open goal <laughs> against him. We're not going to miss that. Yep. Before I get to the, the, the biggest surprise here is the last person to go out the door because he finished his contract was Alfredo Morelos. Now, I think it's no surprise he's not picked up a club yet. It's, it's actually quite incredible that he's not picked up a club yet and that just shows you how much of a bad season or the last 18 months of his Rangers career had because that is a no-brainer surely for any club to snap him up but there's clearly an attitude problem there. He's been told to basically try and find any club by a couple of media pundits but is he going to be a, a footballer in the top flight? I can't see it. I really can't now because he should have been signed by now especially when there's only a few weeks left of the window. There's got to be something up, Derek, because a guy, regardless what you know stage he was playing, to score that amount of goals, especially in Europe, big, big goals, you hear in much worse players in much worse form going into contract and getting picked up by half-decent de- clubs. So I honestly don't know what to make of it, Derek. I'm really surprised. You know how, how much I love the guy. I was gutted when he left, but I do know that the last year, his attitude and you know, everything there, fitness-wise, all of that was just gone. But like you, I'm very, very surprised that he's not been snapped up by someone. But only time will tell. We'll just have to keep watching and see if anybody does take a gamble on him, I think if you manage to get his, his attitude right, you're going to have an absolutely incredible player on your hands. But, you know, it's finding a manager that can get the best out of him. Yep. And the last outgoing here is Alex Lowry has went on a season-long loan to Hearts now. It's a great move for him. If he's not going to get his game here, fantastic. Stay in the Scottish Premiership. Prove your worth with a, a, a team. I think he's, he's going to do wonders for Hearts, I think. And I think all the Hearts fans are delighted with it as well. He yeah. certainly came on in the first game of the season and ultimately was involved in two goals and changed the game for them. He played tonight with Hearts, to, to, to be fair to them, got a very good result in the Europa League away at, at Rosenberg. And he, he actually started that game for them tonight, Derek. So. Yeah. However, my concern is that he's the type of player that we should be building the team around. I don't care a player's age. You remember Barry Ferguson? He was very young. He was coming in and commanding the place of Dick Irvica's multi-million pound players. If you're good enough, you're old enough. I don't care. Now, I know there's been a bit of rumours about his his attitude. Now, I don't know where they've came from. Is it people only surmising the fact that's the reason why he's not getting a game? I don't know. But for me, he came on in one of the games in the the pre-season there and he done more in the 15 minutes he came on for than the player that he replaced. And he was instantly making an impact by getting forward, trying the, the unusual thing, being direct, being quick-paced. That's all the things that we've been lacking all last season, all the last 18 months, and even the first two games this season so far. It's 
disappointing that he's not getting a game. And if you had maybe built the team around him, you might have not had to make as many signings. Maybe one less signing, granted, but you might have not needed to make the signings, spend the extra money and time and investing on in a new player when you've got a ready-made player there. That's one it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. We're able to recall them in January, apparently. It just depends on how our players work out, but I will be so disappointed if he turns into a cracking player and we haven't utilised them at all. Derek, going so far, what I've seen, and I know me and you are going to be discussing all, all of this, so far what I have seen, I would rather have Alex Lowry playing as that attacking mid- midfield role just behind the front two than the players that have played in that position so far. Cantwell aside, I would rather have him in there if, if, if can't, obviously Cantwell would be playing, but uh, a fantastic player. If you can remember back, Derek, I don't know if you did, we discussed him at length with the last pod of the season last year, and I said at that point if he was to go out on loan to a club like Hearts or something, it would be a fantastic move for both parties. I think he will. I think he'll shine for Hearts, and I'm really hoping it's the making of him, and we can recall him, and he you know, t- turns out to be a star. But I 100% agree with you there. He's... Uh, you know, it's one that we definitely should not be letting go and we should be utilising them. So I just hope it all works out for them. Yes, so we'll see what happens there. So, into the games. Now, there's obviously a few, a raft of uh, pre-season games we had. It was Friday the 7th of July. It was at the training centre uh, against Livingston. It was a nil-nil draw. It was closed doors, so we never really got to see any reports of that game there. We also went out to, for I think it was about six or seven days, out to Germany. Um, the, the place looked absolutely amazing, so remote as well. A few videos from the, the media team as well there. It was We did play a game on Friday the 14th of July. It was a 2-0 win against Halsler FC. Again, that was a closed-doors game, so we never really got to see or yeah. hear much about it. However, the first proper pre-season game was Tuesday the 18th of July. It was a 2-1 loss at home against Newcastle for Alan McGregor's testimonial. Dave, did you watch that game at all? No, I was away, Derek. I was actually in America at that point, so I couldn't get to see much. It was actually the day that we were travelling home, so I only got to see fits and starts of it. So I only I had to go on everything that I was reading on social media. Uh, apparently, Newcastle were absolutely sensational in the first half, as you would expect with the amount of money that they've got and the players that they're bringing in. But then apparently Rangers played much better in the second half and left people feeling a wee bit more hopeful at the end of the game. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we only lost by a, a last-minute goal as well, and we're, I think we drew level. Alan McGregor got uh, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, a good send-off, and he, he got his lap of honour at the end. They're quite emotional as well. So mm-hmm. the thing about these friendlies is is that they've been chopping and changing both halves, so it's been like two different 11s each half. Yep. Nobody's going to go into it full-blooded. Well, certainly Newcastle weren't anyway. They did give us a decent game. Um, we'll get into some of the other games, mind you. They did give, give us a bit of hard game uh, full-blooded but um, yeah I, I don't really take much into friendlies it's all about um, the, the the cliched minutes in the legs getting fitness up the result and the, even the performance doesn't really matter to me anyway I, I don't some people take it a wee bit more seriously I'm not one of those people Dave I think we're just looking for a wee spark Derek something to look forward to I think that's what I was certainly looking for out, out of all these games it's the same as you no first what the scores the, the score is, but we're just looking for 
a wee bit of something from some of the new players to give us a bit of hope. That was it. I've seen us, and we've all seen great pre-seasons when we've been shit in the league, and we've seen shit pre-seasons when we've been great in the league. It's one of these things. Anyway, the next uh, friendly was Saturday the 22nd of July. It was a 2-1 win at home against Hamburg in a pre-season friendly. So it was all kind of carnival atmosphere. I, I think I only watched the first half. I think I, think I had the other plans. Um, yeah. But certainly it was a good atmosphere. Uh, again, another good run out for the players. Um, there was a big party in Edmondson House beforehand. You've seen the videos on social media that, that looked absolutely stunning. So uh, a good time had by all, apparently. Definitely Hamburg fans coming over. We all know the links that we've got with Hamburg, with our supporters. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Delighted for them coming over here. Everyone had a great time. You know, the game, it was good to get a, a, a victory. But as you say, I think it was just more about the occasion. And here's hoping that that's the start of something regular, Derek, because I would love to go over to Hamburg pre-season to watch Rangers. So I hope that there's some sort of tie in there and that's what, you know, we get to see in the future. But, uh, you know, fantastic time had by all. I can feel the hangover coming on just exactly. now. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Um Next game here, it was Wednesday the 26th of July. It was a 3-1 loss at home against Olympiacos. Again, a pre-season friendly. Now, that game was a bit meaty. They certainly taken the hump as well because Cantwell went down. He did do a wee bit of theatrics. It wasn't a penalty to me, but the referee gave it. Obviously, no VAR. Uh, weirdly, the replay was shown in the big screens and the Olympiacos players seen it and they went apoplectic and they weren't they messing about after that happened and they, you know, they upped their game but they were going into challenges full-blooded and they weren't certainly playing it as a friendly um, so certainly no love lost there uh, I think they could have calmed, their, calmed the beans a wee bit there but yeah. um, again, another run out Last pre-season friendly we had though was Saturday the 29th of July it was a two-each draw away against Hoffenheim in the friendly um, I can't remember much of the game Dave, you know what my memory is like but again, what am I going to say it was another run out it was, again, it was very similar to the Newcastle game. Derek, in the first half, we didn't look very convincing at all. And then in the second half, upped their game slightly. And I did feel a bit more optimistic, shall I say, about a few of the signings uh, in that game, uh, you know, with the, some of the changes that were made at half time. I realise, again, that the result means nothing. It's all about getting it. But like I said to you, Derek, I, I need to try and see something. I'm just a wee a wee spark just for, for me to say, you know, he looks as if he's going to come on to something there. And, you know, that was certainly probably about the best sort of performance. I realised that they were against Hamburg, but uh, I think this game was more of a, a contest than what that was. And, you know, slightly more optimistic at the, at the end, end of that uh, game. But good set of games and opposition that were arranged pre-season uh, for them. And, uh, you know, that left us ready for the season starting, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And what was weird about the the Hoffenheim game is I think we did play two different teams in each half, or we certainly made a, a raft of changes anyway as well. You would have thought the last preseason game you're pretty much going to play the 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 team that you're thinking about starting. You don't make too many changes, no. But he did make changes, which was quite interesting. I don't know if that was a uh, a forewarning for what was to come in the next game, which was Saturday the fifth of August. But we lost one nil away against Kilmarnock in the Premiership. Not a great game at all, Dave, was it? It was dreadful, Derek. And I know that you are going to tell me not to get carried away, but 
I was extremely low after watching that and annoyed because it was it was just it was just dreadful. I, honestly, out of all the sort of half-hearted or half chances we had, and and that was really it. We were so poor that we actually made Kilmarnock look as if they were a not even a top team, a, a mid-level team who were completely controlling the match. That's that's how bad it was. I mean, I've got no notes whatsoever. I was out. Oh. I was meant. I was meant to be at hospitality, and they cancelled on us, so we went out anyway. Watched the first half in my mate's house. I was already dragging soup, multiple mad dogs, and multiple tins of beer down. How old do you think you are? You're a fifteen-year-old laddie. You? You're an old man now. Uh, we're, just, we're, we're just trying to relive our youth, Dave. That's all we're trying to do. So we watched the first half, multiple beers and all that down, and then we watched the second half out in the pub, and certainly we weren't very pleased afterwards from no. what I remember. It was just the second half was absolutely abysmal, especially right. no shots on target. Dave, I'll let you get into the game and the, the formations, yep. but uh, yeah, uh, it was, wasn't it good hey, at well, all. Well, Derek, like I said in the post-match, I think we've been, every Rangers fan out there for the sort of two weeks prior to this game has been thinking, what's going to be starting 11? What formation is he going to play? Uh, but the team that he did go with was Butland and Goals with a familiar back four of Tavernier, Goldson, Suter and Barisic. In midfield, Dowell and Raskin, but the big one that got everyone talking, thinking Todd Cantwell was a stick-on, a put Cantwell on the bench and put John Lundstrom in the centre of the park, which I still don't know why he did that. And then up front, Simmer, Lammers and Dessers up front. So getting to see five of the new players all starting in that game. Now, we knew it was going to be a, a, a dodgy surface. We knew we've got a lot of new players, but I'm not taking that as an excuse, Derek, because Kilmarnock were fielding seven new players as well in this game. So I'm not taking this. Or they need t- t- time to gel and stuff like that. I- I'm not taking that against a team like Kilmarnock. And no offence if there's any Kilmarnock fans listening. I don't think there will be, but no, no offence to them. I-, I don't take that nonsense at all. But anyway, the big talking point, like I said, Lundstrom in for Cantwell. Derek, Cantwell... I think for 99% of the Rangers fans out there is one of the first names on the team sheet every week, isn't he? And he wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, uh, a weird, weird decision and his explanation for it was even weirder that he just didn't think that it would have suited him in the first half. But really makes no sense at all. Also, uh, Goldson hadn't had any pre-season at all straight back into the Rangers team playing alongside John Suter as well. I thought that was maybe going to be a wee bit dodgy also. Maybe just, you know, not you know 100% fit, but he played anyway. But anyway, the first sort of 10 minutes, really nothing in it whatsoever. The only sort of half chance came in the eighth minute with John Lundstrom on the edge of the box. He dinked the ball into Simmer, who had his back to goal, and he tried a really outrageous sort of back heel flick, which if he'd have got just a wee bit more power on it, might have caused the goalkeeper uh, problems, but it didn't. He was able to pluck that out of the air and really not much to write home about even in the first sort of 25 minutes. Even stuff, no real chances, but Rangers doing the usual, having the bulk of possession. Then on the 28th minute, there was a quick break. Simmer with a through ball to Dessers. He was offside, but I thought he was very, very slow. Regardless, Derek, I think uh, even if he had been onside, the Kilmarnock defence would have tracked him down easily. So that was my first sort of concern. Didn't look 100% fit, Dessers, or you know, up to pace. 29th minute, Jack Butland 
doing what we've never seen Alan McGregor doing and sprinting off his line way outside his box to make a fantastic last-ditch tackle on a defender and put the ball out to safety for a throw-in. So, you know, that's something you know we can talk about because I think if that had been Alan McGregor, the boy would have been through one-on-one with the keeper at that stage. So good to see. 38th-minute corner from James Tavenier. There was a bit of a goal-mouth scramble and it just sort of landed right at the feet of Dessers. I thought he was just going to stroke it in. But again, a wee bit hesitant. Commander goalkeeper managed to get a hand to it and claw it in. So, again, a wee bit concerns there. 40th minute, Simmer into the box. A low cross, which was half cleared. Dessers manages to get a clean strike on it, but hits it low, straight at the goalkeeper. 42nd minute, James Tavernier with a chip ball through to Dessers. He turns one. He can't get a shot away. So many Kilmarnock defenders. Manages to beat his other man. Still can't get a shot away. Turns back, sees Lundstrom in the edge of the box. Passes it back, but Lundstrom over the bar. Really should have made more of that. But that was about it for the first half. And I'm actually making it sound more exciting than it actually was. But really clear-cut chances were few and far between. At half-time, really frustrating. Kelly, as we expected, defended in numbers, but Rangers really not doing much. No changes at half-time, apart from a change in formation. He puts John Lundstrom into a back three and changes it to a sort of 3-5-2 formation. You know, but we had to try and try something. The only width that we were getting was coming from Tav and Barisic, but really not doing anything. And my second Tav highlights here, Derek, is very few and far between. A corner in the 54th minute, John Souter, a glancing header, wide of the post. 61, double, he picks a ball up in the edge of the box. He manages to get a shot, but it's deflected and over the bar, out for a corner. Then there was a, the, the double sub, finally, 62 minutes, Cantwell on and Danilo off for Dessers and double. And then 65th minute, absolute calamity. It really was. Goal for Kilmarnock. It all came from a long throw into the box. Simmer jumps up. Now, he's a huge guy, Derek. He jumps up, completely misses the ball. The ball bounces right in front of John Souter and gets stuck between his legs. He can't move to get it cleared. If it had been even a few centimetres in front of him or behind him, he would have immediately cleared it, but it bounced, landed right between his legs. He couldn't get it away, cleared, and the Kilmarnock striker just stepped in and thumped it into the back of the net. Really the only chance that Kilmarnock had done all game Managed to score another defensive mishap for Rangers. And we were 1-0 down. Now, Derek, that was in the 65th minute. And I just knew that we weren't scoring. I knew it. You know, there was times, you know, last season, I thought, you know, we were at least going to get an equaliser here. I just knew it. And then for there on, just totally lack of imagination, lack of creativity, nothing. Todd Cantwell trying to get on the ball as much as possible and do something, but not having anybody to link up with at all. His front line just were non-existent. And all I've got away, any chances from Rangers in the 81st minute was a long-range shot by Todd Cantwell himself trying to get something over the bar. And that was it, Derek. We had a header at the back post late on by Kamar Roof, but he hit it in the side netting because he had came on for Lammers. And that was it. Kilmarnock completely controlled the game. They got their men behind the ball, but we were really doing nothing. I can't remember their goalkeeper having a, a single shot to save in the second half or really having to do anything. 
young Lewis Mayo that we let go absolutely outstanding for Kilmarnock without having to actually do that much. And it was just as poor as a performance as I've seen in a long, long time, Derek. And I mean a long time, even going back to when we were in the Premier League under Mark Warburton, it was really, really bad. I mean, it was a carbon copy of last season. Defensive blunder that fucks us up. Then we can't actually hit a barn door when we get up front as well. It's I, I don't know what had happened. Uh, I, what, did they try and outthink the play? Did they? Uh, that's what I mean. I, I don't understand his, his reasoning for the whole Cantwell thing. So is he trying to overthink things there? I, I don't know. But collectively, it was shambolic. No player really came out with, with anything there. Suter barred the goal, which was a wee bit unlucky for, but the bounce of the ball on that shitty rubber pitch. Uh, he was maybe the, the only decent one, but yeah. the rest of them yep. were, were shambolic. And it was just so wasteful. It, it really was. And again, I kept, I was texting you and, and texting some other people. And, you know, and a lot of people are like you, you know, you need to give them time. It's a new team, blah, blah, blah. But Derek, that's your first real competitive match for your new club. You're looking to do something. You're looking to bust a gut to get in there. And none of the new players showed anything like that. See, even if some of these players it was going to be an off day, but you could tell that they were running at full pelt, they were chasing everything down, they were trying everything they could to get on the ball, but they weren't. They weren't doing that. And I know that everybody's saying, oh, well, they've got to go by the tactics of the manager as well, but I don't care what anybody says. See, if that's my first competitive game playing for Glasgow Rangers, I am going out there, I'm collapsing when I come off that park because I'm trying so hard and you never got that for any of them until Cantwell came on. He was the only one that was really going for it when he came on, but it was too late for him to get involved in the game, Derek. It was just so lacklustre, it was unbelievable. I mean, I know you're saying you're not giving into this team I've got to gel. They have to, Dave. That's the, 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 that's so, football all over. Dick Advocat's first game with a few new players, I'm looking at the team here, there was a few, maybe not as many as we had there. He was losing 3-0 at half-time to Shelburne. It happens. That's all I'm going to say is because it happens. What was the final score of that game? It was 5-3 to us. But teams have to gel. You've got to look at the quality of Shelburne. They're a part-time outfit, I think, are they not? So it happens. It's a notorious place to play. Now, you look at the, the record. I think we've... I think Kilmarnock have won something like five or six of the last ten games we've played them at, at um, Rugby Park. It's a notorious place to come from. We must have some sort of hoodoo there as well. I am not saying it's not a shocking result. It is. And yes, you're absolutely right. These players should have been playing out their skin. But sometimes it just takes time to gel. And we'll get into the next game as well. Players were play trying things that you only get to try if you have an understanding of your teammate and you, you can instinctively know their runs. That's how football works. When teams gel, you can pass balls because you instinctively know somebody's going to be there rather than actually having to look there. So it happens. And I know you're, what you're saying, but see if we're saying that it's still having the same discussions. As I said in the post-match last night, see if we're having the same discussions in five or six games. Yes, you have a point, but not in the first competitive game. Going back to Dick Advocat, Derek, we won that game 5-3 and we came away saying, oh my God, first half, shocker, second half, new players stepped up. The game after that, Dick Advocat, his first league game was away at Tynecastle. And we, we lost it. I was at that game, Derek, 
and Rangers blew hearts away on that game. Blew them away. Chance after chance after chance. We were absolutely outstanding. I remember watching Van Bronckhurst thinking, my God, what a player. No knowing how we managed to get beat. Absolutely. And I knew straight away we are going to absolutely hammer out everybody. That was one of the freak results. That was different on, on Saturday, Derek. We were awful. And there was nobody, nobody that turned up. Not one of the new players showed anything whatsoever. Really, really, really poor. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm just looking for... I, I get that. Kilmarnock, though, seven new players in their team, Derek. You know what I mean? They managed to gel, no bother. But it's it's like I'm just looking for a spark. And I get that. I get the fact that they're all p- playing together. They're, they're, they're still trying to know... Who you know? Who's playing where? Who can do this now? But I'm just looking for something. I'm looking for a wee spark for each of them to say, "Well, he's going to come good." Him, you know, he was unlucky there. You can tell he's no in sync. But I got none, none of that for them, and that is my issue with the whole thing. Well, as I said, if we're still seeing the same in five or six games, well, yes, there's a I problem, hope, but not not right now for me. Okay. But yes, it was an absolute shit show straight away from Rangers. Uh, you know, didn't expect to be in that position. The feel good factor kind of instantly is, is kind of caved in, and the bile that was getting spewed about Beal at this point was absolutely atrocious. Bear in mind, under Gerard, it was widely believed that. Buell was the tactical genius behind Gerard, which is the reason why he's here in the first place. And all of a sudden, after a, granted, last year wasn't great in terms of looking at, but he managed to get us into a winning team. Walter Smith done that. Wasn't he great to look at a lot of the time, but we made us into a winning team. We failed at the big tests, mind you, but we were largely a winning team, mostly in the league. So Buell can't go from this messiah in some people's eyes, to the biggest donkey fucking out. So people need to, I think, calm the beans a wee bit as well there. But anyway, we'll get into the next game, which was last <laughs> night. <laughs> it just winds me up, Dave. It winds me up with the fact that people just cannot have a wee bit of patience. Everything has to be now, now, now. The league isn't going to be won or lost in the first game of the season. It'll be won or lost... I know that. At some I, point in the future, not right now. I know that. Uh, as I say, and I, I keep repeating myself, I'm just looking for something. I'm just looking for a wee bit of hope, Derek. That's all I'm looking for, and I'm not seeing it. But we'll get on to the next game. So that leads us into the next game, Wednesday the 9th of August. That was last night, or two nights ago, if you'll be listening to this. And it was a 2-1 win at home against Servette in the Champions League qualifier Round 3 League 1. Dave, the shit show continued online afterwards because you would have thought we had fucking got absolutely hammered last night. And I think that we were maybe a symptom of our own initial early success by going two goals up early. Two two goals and really should have been three, Derek, and the tie should have been finished, but I'll I'll let you get into that one as well. Just to let you know, Lammers is the new roof for Dave. (sighs) Again, Derek, I can only go by what I'm, I'm witnessing, but I will, I'll, I'll let you get get into the game and we'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it yes. after. So we lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Barisic, Jack, Raskin, Cantwell, Lammers, Dessers and Danilo. On the subs bench were McCrory, K. Wright, Lundstrom, Hadji, Sifuentes, Seema, Dowell, Sterling, S. Wright, Balligan, King and Devine. So the first half 
night and day compared with the Kelly game. Playing yep. with pace, skill, forward thinking play. Granted, we did give the ball away a fair bit, especially yep. in the first 10 minutes, but we were very quick to regain the ball by pressing them, getting in their mints and not giving them any time in the ball at all. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the new players were trying passes to nobody on occasion, but to me that looked as if they, that they were just trying to do something and they weren't instinctively doing it, which that's the thing that will gel in time with their teammates. Fifth minute though, the three words you love to hear, penalty to Rangers. It was nice, quick, one-touch play. Lammers cuts it back into the box at the touchline and you thought it was going out. Cantwell clearly taken out. No arguments with the penalty whatsoever. Although I will say Cantwell, as much as he was clipped, he needs to watch with his throwing his hands up in the air as well because he did go down a wee bit theatrically. He will, and especially with the Scottish referees, Derek, you know what they're like. Since Alfredo is away, they'll be looking for somebody to uh, be watching very closely. So I agree with you on that one. I really do. Yes. But up steps Tavernier on the sixth minute and makes it 1-0, sends it down the middle, sending the keeper diving to the right. So delighted with the early start there. Yep, fantastic, Derek. And again, it all came from, you know, the ball was going out, but Cantwell busting a gut to get in there to try and win the ball back. And that's how the, the penalty was won. So absolutely delighted and a great early start for us. Yes, and it was an even better start because in the 15th minute we made it 2-0 with Desser scoring. Suter driving the ball forward in midfield, wide left to Barisic, one touch, he looks up, he's setting touch with a great ball into the middle, Danilo misses it, I don't know if he meant it, but he put off the defender anyway, and Desser's, as he was running in, hits off his thigh and into the back of the, the net. I'm not sure if he meant it, but I don't care, Dave. No, it was great play. It was uh, John Suter breaking from defence there. It sort of brought back memories of what Majid Bagheera used to do for us as well, Derek. But he looked really fast. Suter, I didn't actually know really he had that turn of pace on him, but striding through. And a great ball to Barisic, who I thought had a fantastic first half, Derek. I thought he was superb. A great ball in, the type of ball that we all know that he can put in between the defence and the goalkeeper. It was a perfect ball in. I thought Danilo was just going to tap it in, but as you say, missed it. But thankfully, Dessers ran in at the back post. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen for the strikers, Derek. I'm hoping that with them playing two up front, any balls that are slightly over hit or missed, there'll be somebody in there at the back post and vice versa. If it's for the back post, somebody's running in put the front post to get in front of everybody. But fantastic uh, play and a great goal. And, you know, I mean, we'll take them. We watched Ali McCoy do that all, all his career, just ghosting in at the back post and managing to get a touch on it. So delighted. 2-0 two, two up and at that point cruising, Derek. Yes. Head, feet, thigh, arse, I don't care. Exactly. Yep, no, I agree with you 100%. Yes, so, yes, absolutely cruising, as you said, and you thought, well, this is going to be easy street, isn't it? And, you know, we certainly kept up the pressure. 18th minute, Barisic cross in from the left, cleared out, but only to Raskin, who controls it and hits a volley just wide, a decent effort. Yeah. 19th minute, Danilo with a snapshot at the edge of the box after the ball being knocked down to him, forced a really good save from the keeper, who had to take two bites of it. Uh, he got the ball just because Dessers was looking as well. In that meantime, there was a couple of half chances for Servette it was right at Butland but it was a good test of him anyway yep. 38th minute now this is the chance that Dave was talking about with Lammers a lovely break, break through the middle past the Raskin on the left who squares it to Lammers it's a first time shot and goes wide an absolute guilt edge chance 
all he had to do was put it on target. It was a really poor miss. It was ruled offside, but it really wasn't on the replay. So I'm sure if he had put it in the net, VAR would have ruled it in. It was was a bad miss. There is no getting away from that. But players miss chances. How many chances does Kenny Miller miss? How many chances did Morelos miss? Prolific scorers like that will miss chances. It happens. We'll say no more, Derek. We'll say no more. <laughs> I was proven right with Roof last year, so that's all I'm going to say. And then on the 41st minute, the game was stopped. Now, the keeper, the, the referee looked as if he was going to do a bounce ball. Nobody in the stadium knew what was happening. Nobody in the, the commentary box knew what was happening at all. And then the referee signalled that he was going over to check the VAR screen. Now, in the corner, I think it was just beforehand, uh, there was a handball by Dessers. He had kind of jumped up with his arm led and it was in close range to him. Maybe I'll be a bit harsh in the old school rules, but the new rules say it's yeah. a penalty, so I have no issues with that whatsoever. It was a handball. We've been uh, fortunate with that before, so you know, you've know you got to take yeah. that off with a smooth there. In the build-up to the taking the penalty, though, Butland was standing round about on the penalty spot, blocking the, the, the attacker's um, move to, to set up the ball. Now, the Servette player did motion his head towards... Butland. Now, would it have been harsh? I, I don't know. But in modern day football, you can't motion your head like that. So I would say fair play to, to Butland for not going down like a sack of spuds like a lot of players do. But the referee's seen that. Where was VAR checking that? That yep. could have been a red card. It, it should have been, Derek. I know it was. But Butland was it was all mind games. He was standing, he was being the big man, which I quite like. We've never had anything like that before. Standing right in front of the player, didn't he move, didn't he motion towards him, nothing, just stared right at him. And the boy put his head on him and leaned in against him. Now, I would have said that that was a, a red card. I realise it would have been harsh, but still, he went. And that's what that's what he done. He motioned and he actually did it. Now, if Butland had even taken a step backwards, it might have been different. But he didn't. He stood his ground, which is is fine. But in the laws of the game, he should have been off. He yeah. really should, he should have been. And I know what you're saying. It was harsh. It was maybe a bit petty. But he decided to do that. And he should have lived with the consequences. And I actually thought it was right in front of the referee because it was right over us as mm. soon as it happened. But I think he should have been off, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, up steps the player, takes the penalty and sends Butland the wrong way. So 2-1 going into half time there. So from we went from easy streak being complete control um, and they scored a goal from ultimately nothing against the run of play. But you look at it, we scored a penalty, they scored a penalty. You know, it's technically 1-0 to us. So... Um, but anyway, disappointing that they are looking for more of the same in the second half. But it was largely disappointing. And I think that the big issue was the, the, the turning point of the red card, which we'll get into. Just before that, though, in the 54th minute, an absolutely world-class save from the Servette keeper. The ball was worked from the centre to the right to Tavernier, who crosses it in on the deck first time. Lammers hits a powerful first-time shot, was nestling into the bottom left corner. But out of nowhere, an absolute wonder save from the keeper diving to put it out for the corner. That should have been your 3-1 right there. Well, it should have been 3-0, three, three Derek, but we'll not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a fan, it was a great move. One of the first times that Tav has really managed to get himself free and not just tried a you know a, 
high ball in, into the box. You actually saw him looking up, seeing the space, and it was a fantastic low, low cross, and as you say, a wonderful save that really should have been 3-3-1 at that stage. Yep. And then, as I said, possibly the turning point of the game, it was on the 59th minute, a red card for the Servette player. It was an absolute shocking challenge. I've, I looked it back and I thought, it's, it's not harsh, but it was, it was a physical challenge. But I think just the, the quickness of Cantwell nipped the ball away from the boy and he full force booted him as yeah. well. I don't think he was intentionally going to boot him, but I think it was just the, the, the way yeah. the contact happened. That was the was. player's second yellow card. He also and gave away the penalty as well. And he got the yellow card for that. Bad night for him. But as you say, it was. They were a very physical team, Derek. We were told about that before, that they were, you know, because obviously they went down to 10 men in the last game against Genk as well. So, but we knew even at 10 men how well they'd done in that last leg. So I knew it was still going to be, they were just delighted to go to the goal and they were just going to shut up shop. And that's exactly what their tactics were after that, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, we've played against teams like this before who just put 10 men, or well, 9 men in this case, behind the ball and we found it difficult to break down and that's not been any exception in this game. It was all us, bar maybe one corner at the end they had and you thought, here we go, this is going to be two each, but fortunately we held out that one. But it was all us, but it was largely wasteful. 63rd minute, good play ending and Danilo having a shot on the left side of the box, forcing the keeper a decent save. He came off on the 65th minute and Sima came on. A 70th minute, an outswinging corner from Tavernier on the right Dessers hits a great volley and on another fantastic diving save from the keeper 77th minute Jack and Lammers off Sifuentes and Dill came on Sifuentes looks a player because he was trying yep. to get in about everything winning back balls and everything 81st yep. minute ball floated into the box from Dill to the left side knocked down by Seymour Dessers knocked it back to Seymour who has a shot uh, but was right at the keeper 88th minute Dessers and Raskinov Hadji and Wright on Scott Wright from out of nowhere considering he was meant to be going as yep. well Oh, as I said, they had a corner in the last minute, the dying minutes as well. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we, we it never came to anything. There was a lengthy period of uh, injury time as well, because uh, not long after Seema came on, he went up for a hard challenge and it was some sickening clash ahead. Fortunately, Seema yeah. didn't come off too bad, but the other player had a big, massive cut in his yeah. head. And there was about six or seven minutes injury time as well. Yeah. So, But we came out of the game... 2-1 winners, you know, it could have been better, but it's a win in a European qualifier. There are not any big shakes, Servette. I'm fully confident that we're going to go over there next week and certainly at least see out the tie. But I think the way people were on about on social media, they were, you know, apoplectic about it, thinking that it was almost as if we had lost, Dave. I am really worried about the game, Derek, because I know that Servette were without seven other first team players against us they're very well organised especially trying to see out a game which is you know a good thing for us but we've not seen too, too much of them attacking I've got to say I was pleased with how the defence played Derek I thought John Suter again had an excellent game Jack Butland you know a, a few saves it was, I think he pulled off one excellent save there was a shot that took a last sort of second deflection and I thought it was in but he pulled off a good save I thought that Raskin and Jack were good in midfield. I thought Cantwell, again, was our best player by a mile. The front three not getting that much service in there. Barisic in the first half, outstanding. Tav, again, not really doing much. And I think this is what Michael Beale's trying to get. Our width is going to be coming from our two full-backs. 
I'm concerned about that because they're not as fast as what they used to be. But like you said there, the one bright spark from any of our new players was when Cifuentes came on because the first thing that I noticed, Derek, I don't know if you did, he was demanding the ball as soon as he came on. Mm -hmm. He was getting himself into space constantly. He was constantly there for the ball, desperate to go on the ball, trying to get forward. And I, I don't think he's that t- type of player. I think he was more of a sort of defensive player. But going by the sort of 20 minutes I seen him last night, he said, I think he's going to be an excellent player for us. So I was pleased at that point. First half, I, I thought I thought we were excellent. But as I say, really, she should have been 3-0 and tie over. But I know it's small margins, but I do think we've got a game on our hands in the next game. I really do. And it's a game we've got to win because of the amount of money that it's worth. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, we're still going to be going into the Europa League regardless, but I would at least like us to be getting through this to get a chance to play in the, in, in the Champions League. But I think it's going to be a tough one. I really do. Just one thing I want to pick up on what you said there, and you're right about the, the whole width issue. And rather than having wingers, we're going to have the fullbacks bombing up and down. Now, see if the players are fit. I mean, they're in their early 30s. I'm not too concerned about the them bombing up and down. The way the, way the modern-day fullbacks play is that they bomb up and down and they don't do so much to the defensive work as other people backfill their positions. Right, if we're going to do that, that's fine. My issue is the wastefulness. And that's yep. what happened in the second half. Complete wastefulness. Obviously, they were packing their own box and packing their last third. That's what's going to happen with a lot of the games in the, in the Premiership as well. My point is the wastefulness. Now, people were talking about Tavernier put in a number of decent balls into good areas. It's not his fault that the attackers never picked up on it. Well, my counter to that is that can you actually say that there were decent balls if there were actually nowhere near players yep. where they were? Yep. You're expecting yeah. players to mind read where they're actually going to cross. Whereas counter that with Barisic, I think he was a lot better, certainly in the first half, first at, half find, yeah. at finding his man because they were actually going to going to men. There's no point putting it in an area, crossing, getting wide, putting it cross in. That's what happened time and time again last season. And it does generally happen with Tavernier is yeah. he just puts hit and hope balls in rather than actually looking up and trying to find men. I'll give that the exception in the second half because he did hit that outswinging corner and he was actually shouting at somebody to actually get out so he could do that. And that's where um, I think it was Dessers who got on the end of it and, and had, had a good shot and save for the keeper. But there's too many wasteful balls, just hitting hope balls in there. That's when we need to either have different options to, to get down the wing or actually start varying the play and going through the middle, then going to the wing, through the middle, etc. It's, uh, we've seen it far, far too often with Tav. He's crossed, doesn't he seem to clear the first man? Derek, it's, uh, and I think Tav had his most successful season for us and when he was sometimes unplayable was when he was getting even further forward. You know, when he was getting to the byline, that's when Tav is, is at his best, actually going in, trying to get into the back post because you can't defend that. But we've not seen that in the last two seasons. I think it was just these, you know, when we were playing in Europe, uh, you know, is, is when he was getting the, the, the best out of that a few seasons ago. But we've not seen it in far, far too many of his crosses just aren't getting past the first man. But, you know, a lot of people, like you said, were talking about he was putting in some good crosses I can only remember that one and that was the one that was across the deck and it goes straight to the man he's didn't even be start varying things up like that now that he's got more strikers in the box to aim for 
trying to get someone to maybe come a bit short. I mean, I'm not Derek. It's no me that's, that's doing the tactics, but we can all see it, and we, we all know that, that we're needing to sort of vary the play. But it, it just it doesn't seem to happen, does it? No, but anyway, that leaves us with a, a decent position next week. Anyway, for the that game, we're in the table for the Premiership. There's not much happened, obviously, because we've played one, one zero, drawn zero, lost one, scored zero against one, minus one goal difference, and point zero. So we're already three points behind Celtic already. Yep. So, um, it's a long season, Dave. It's a long season. It is. It is, Derek. We've. We've we've covered my feelings too uh, enough on it. We'll, we'll wait and see what the next games uh, bring us. Yes. So we'll now go into the news. So a decent bit of news to cover, but the first thing that we've got to cover is arguably the biggest off-field news in the, the closed season is the museum has officially been opened. Yeah. I've not had the chance to get there yet, but from the pictures I've seen, it looks absolutely incredible, and that is mirrored in the feedback that I've seen online too. Yeah, I'm desperate to go to that. I'm going to have to get that booked to go through and see it, but, you know, something you know, really special for all the fans out there, something that everybody's been going on about how, how good it is, and you know, I, I, I really look forward to going and seeing that myself. Brilliant stuff. I mean, that um, model of the front of Ibrox that's apparently yeah. the only Archibald Leach model that's still in existence, that, that's just you know, pure history right there, isn't it? It's, oh, it's amazing. Next thing here, we've also announced our new sports bar G51, which is going to be in the place of the old megastore. Caters for 500 people on match day and it'll be open five days per week. There's going to be a gaming zone, self-ordering stations and Glasgow's first self-pour beer stations. And I think that's similar to the bottom filling ones that they've got in the new Tottenham Stadium. It's due to be open in early 2024. That is going to be fantastic and another good revenue spinner for the club. Exactly. It will be jam-packed, Derek, and that's what we've been looking for, hasn't it? So, as you say, another great revenue stream for us. I mean, I wonder what they're going to do, because they, they, they kind of need to get something done with the ticket office as well, rather than just having a wee porter cabin. But that's where I thought they would have put it. But if there's a way to make more money, then certainly yep. I'm all for what yep. they've done. Next thing, Dave, that away and third tops were launched. Much like the home top, I think they're absolutely crackers. Dave, you're not keen on any of them, are you? I prefer the white one out of the three. I think the problem that I have with the orange and blue one is the badge being in the middle. I'm not a fan of that. I don't like the neck on it either. This is just, uh, you know, my, my own preference, Derek. The home top, I think, is really... It's quite a drab, the, the way they've done it with the neck as well. I much preferred the ones that we've had out the last few seasons with a white collar. Again, that's just me being old-fashioned, I think, more than anything else. But I do like the white one. I think that's a really nice top, but it's all to do with personal preference. I know that you think they're all absolutely cracking, Derek. No, I absolutely love them. I mean, I think it's the first set of tops that Castor have got bang on. And when you look at the monstrosities that Adidas have brought out for various teams, not only the, the arseholes over the other side of the city, but the, the some of the other tops down south as well, absolutely bogging. So everybody crying out for one of these big, big-named makes. No, certainly not. Castor have got it bang on for me this year. That thing that they've got, Derek, is an absolute abomination. I mean, I know quite a few Celtic fans, and I don't know any of them that have actually went out and bought them or bought them for their kids. It's absolutely horrific. So, I know, compared to what they've got, Derek, their kits are cracking, but 
again, I just think maybe needing a wee jazzed up just a wee bit, I think. That's, that's, that was my only complaint about them. Next thing is we've appointed Kareem Varani as our new Chief Commercial Officer. He's had various positions within football in the past, as well as five years at West Ham doing a similar role. So uh, hopefully that's going to be a, a good appointment there. Exactly. That's the you, you know we're needing you know guys that guy that can come out and find us you know good streams uh, for financial streams and here's hoping that he manages to get that spot on. I mean, he's going to have a hard uh, role to follow with Bisgrove because you know like him or loathe him or whatever. I think uh, he's done absolutely amazing with the commercial revenue that he's done. I think we highlighted that in the last podcast. Yeah. The the growth has been fantastic. So here's hoping that that keeps up. I, yeah, 100%. Next thing, Zeb Jacobs has been appointed our new academy director. He was recruited in 2021 as head of academy coaching. However, he's made the step up to that director position. Prior to us, he was at the he was the head of development at Royal Antwerp as well. So certainly Harton had I've had a few podcasts out with him. Speaks a really good game and looks looks to be good. Yeah, well, again, only time will tell. Derek, here's hoping they've got that one right as well. Yep. And here's the, arguably the signing of the summer. We've reappointed Dr. Mark Waller as Director of Medical and Performance. He had a good success, obviously, under Gerard, and you've seen the, the, the transformation and the fitness of the players over that time. He left, I think it was the last year, to, I can't, was it QPR he went to, I think, or somewhere? Yeah. But certainly he's came back, and hopefully that's now going to be part of the process to sort out the ridiculous injuries we had last year. I clear. That- clear lack of fitness as well. Is that the guy that all the Celtic fans were claiming was giving us magic caffeine and stuff like that? <laughs> Illegal yes. substance because we never had any injury. <laughs> <laughs> Quite incredible. No, Derek, we, we all know the problems that we've had injury-wise since he's left. So here's hoping we get back and we've got our, everybody back fit and ready to play. Yes. Former England's women's international player Jo Potter has been appointed as women's first team co- head coach. She takes over from Malky Thompson and also on the back of that, w- the women's team lifted the City of Glasgow Women's Cup after beating Celtic. So congratulations yeah. to them. Fantastic stuff. It was a very dramatic game as well and uh, all sort of injury time last minute stuff. So absolutely delighted for them. Superb. Yep. Talking of Malky Thompson, he's now going to be the assistant for David McCallum, who continues his role as the lead coach of the B team. So that's good that he's he's staying with us anyway. Yeah, definitely. Next thing here, one person who isn't going to be joining us though is Graham Soonis. He confirmed on the Big Scottish Football Podcast with Ewan Cameron that he's had a couple of meetings with Bisgrove but they couldn't agree a, a path forward. From what he said, it's clear that he wanted more of a hands-on role than an ambassador role that maybe we were looking to offer. I'm actually also a bit disappointed in the way he's worded what he said because it was spun in the media in typical fashion yeah. that there was some sort of falling out which has clearly not been the case and see when you actually listen to the interview it doesn't sound as bad as the way the media were always going to spin it because of the wording he chose so I think when people are pro Rangers and they're in the media they really need to be careful in the wording they choose because what do the media do? They spin it like that that they do all the time just to try and create a media, a media sensational story. That's all they yeah. do. I know. As I said, Derek, I think Graham Soonis was hoping that he was going to have a, a major role in the in, in the club somehow and obviously the powers that be didn't 
see it like that. They were wanting him, as you say, just to be more of a kind of ambassador for, for the club. Disappointed, Derek, that he's not here because, you know, Graham Sunis is, you know, world famous in f- football in terms and would have been great to have him on board in some role, but not to be, unfortunately. I mean, it's somebody else has highlighted this as well, and when you think about it, it probably would have ended up happening. Is what happened with McLaughlin and McGregor last year? McGregor stayed on. McLaughlin was it looked to be he was going to be the number one, and then there was a, he had a few bad games, a crisis of confidence, and everyone was calling for McGregor to to come in place and take that number one role back, and that's what Julie happened. Now, can you imagine if Sunis? <laughs> was part of the, the yeah. football and input and we went through a bad patch, the yeah. fans would be calling for Sunnis to come, come in and replace Beal. So I, I actually had never thought of it at, like that, Derek, but you're 100% right. That's exactly what, what would have happened. Here's hoping it would never have got to that stage right enough, but you know how us fans are. We're very nostalgic about previous players and, and, and managers and that's exactly what would have happened if that scenario would have came to be. Yep. The B team kick off their campaign as well. Now they don't have a lowland league and because the, the SFA are absolutely useless, they don't have a reserve league to play in either. So they're doing what there's what's called the Best V Best programme, which is effectively a series of friendlies against top op- youth opposition teams throughout Europe. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that works out. I think it's been done in other with other kind of B teams uh, throughout Europe and the world as well, and it's been fairly successful. So uh, it's good to see that they're going to get a test of somehow, but they're not actually going to be playing for any sort of know, any sort actually, of trophy or league or anything. I know. I feel that's a complete waste, Derek. I was I, I was really a big fan of the Lowland League stuff as well, and as you say, it's uh, it's just a complete waste. And me and you have covered this before. You know the the the, the pros and cons. There was more pros to us playing in that Lowland League, but. I just feel it's a, it's a bit of a waste. I know they're still go, going to be playing against some top teams, but you know, with, with nothing really to play for, is that a good thing for us? Is it a bad thing? I, have to, I honestly don't think it's a great in any great shape at all. No. Next thing here is Bisgrove has been voted onto the SPFL board. Now, that is despite speculation that other clubs would vote against that. Uh, but it's the usual two-year thing, you know, where Celtic yeah. have two years on the on the board and then we have two years and vice versa. So, um, I mean, even that in itself is absolutely backwards. You're two biggest clubs. You can't yeah. have both of them on the board at all. I yeah. mean... Is ultimately trying to work for your own club, but as well for the the, the benefit of the game and yeah. the, the whole. So uh, backwards as usual. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, hell must have frozen over because Rangers have received an apology from the SPFL over the cinch dispute. Not only that. SPFL were forced to pay legal costs which we have donated to charity also they have agreed to commission an independent review of their governance to avoid disputes like this in the future so basically we were right when everyone else said that we weren't some Celtic fans even despite this this ruling and the apology still claimed that we were wrong for pursuing it it was really the SPFL's fault for for just caving in you know so the SPFL did not follow their own rules 
Yep. We still get to have the advertising money without having to actually do the advertisement. Yep. It's cost them more money in compensation and legal fees. Yep. It also cost the SPFL £500,000 to the consultancy fee, the consultancy company to, to get us this deal in the first place. And then they've offered to pay for our, our, our investigation into the governments, which we offered to pay for two yep. years ago, but yep. that was voted down. This is all while Neil Doncaster is on £400,000 a year with a two-year notice period and all other clubs are still licking his arse just because fuck Rangers I mean no wonder Sky take the utter piss out of us with their deals because they know that they can because the other clubs are too busy saying fuck Rangers to even care exactly like we've said time and time again other clubs would rather see the detriment of their, their, their own club purely just because of their, hate, their, their hatred of the Rangers. Nothing else. They, they would rather see the game go down the toilet as long as it didn't mean any success for us in any way, shape or form, on or off the field. There's no other country in the world that's like that, Derek, when it comes to football. There really isn't. And the fact that nobody's heads rolled at the, S, you know, the SFA is quite incredible. Or SPFL, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just the old boys club, but yeah. nothing will change there until something happens, like this governance investigation. I even don't, you know, it's meant to be independent. I, I don't yeah, even have uh, faith that they're going to get have that. No, and I'll, I'll be very surprised if it isn't. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. Another thing that we've ended as well is our legal dispute with the organisers of the Sydney Cup by getting into bed with them. So from next year, for the next two years after that, TEG have become our international friendly tournament organiser. I never knew there was such a thing. Oh. Uh, but they sued us for breach of contract for pulling out. We were counter-suing them for, you know, they're not meeting their obligations, allegedly. So both have uh, decided to end, mutually end the, the litigation and we've teamed up. I mean, I think it was a smart decision for all concerned to save legal fees and, you know, bad blood. I'd assume that we were more forced into this move because it's clear the reasons why we pulled out and I don't think it was the reasons the club were given. It was clearly because of the fans. At the end of the day, the, the actual deal that they got us for this Sydney Cup was a mega bucks deal and I know Celtic were involved in that, but you know that, that was maybe part of the reason for the mega bucks deal. But if they can arrange anywhere near that kind of fees, then it'll be a good thing, won't it? Have they said what it's going to actually entail in the future, Derek? Well, I'm guessing similar to the Sydney Cup, hopefully without Celtic, but I'm guessing arranging tournaments, like remember the Viola Cup that we've done mm -hmm. and like the yeah. Florida Cup, that's what I can surmise that that's what they, they do. They organise like a wee mini-friendly tournament. So we'll just need to wait and see what happens yep. there. You know, you might see Rangers, you know, going out to New York for, you know, a wee tournament out there or, or something. So it'll be good to see what happens anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Next thing here, Rangers are set to offer Celtic 700 tickets for the up-and-coming old firm match at Ibrox. Bisgrove has already said it won't go back to the 8,000 allocation anytime soon. And by the sound of it, like ever. Um, talk is that Celtic are going to throw their toys out the pram and refuse over, refuse any allocation over safety grounds. Now, I fail to see what their safety grounds is because the police can easily handle 700 fans in terms of getting them a, a rendezvous point at one place and escorting all 700 fans at one time to a place like they do at Parkhead with, with, with us as well. It's a lot easier to do that than the 8,000 police that than 8,000 fans. 
And there's talk from their fans that Celtic are going to refuse our allocation entirely anyway, even if Celtic refuse theirs. Now, they can't do that. Rules state that they have to give us a reasonable amount. Now, I have no idea why the SPFL did not pull them up for refusing to offer us tickets for the last set of games. Granted, we reciprocated with that. We gave them nothing. They want ultimately 8,000 or nothing. And to be honest with you, if they're going to be like this about it, I would prefer it to be nothing. Fuck the atmosphere. I don't want them. They refuse to use the Brandon Old Firm. They refuse to say her name. They call it the Glasgow Derby. They refuse to say, you know, Rangers. They just say the local opposition. Fuck them. I do not care. I've always said, Derek, there is a demand that our fans are wanting tickets for that game. And we're going to be disappointing a hell of a lot of them if we're allowing much bigger away support, you know, that they're bringing. So I would rather have our fans getting into the stadium to see it than than their fans being there. And if they take the amount of tickets we're offering them, fair enough. If they don't, they don't. I I really don't see what the big talking point is. I realise there are a lot of diehard fans, Rangers fans that are used to going to Parkhead. I've been a, a, a few times as well to cheer the team on, but... I would rather see a packed Ibrox with all your fans happy at get, getting a ticket for Ibrox and have, having them all in and lots of people not getting into the stadium. No, I think the people in our support that are up in arms are about it are the ones that generally attend the, yeah. the fixtures. And look, I get it. You're losing out on a fixture. You all want to go and support your team, right? But, I mean, look at the shit we've had to put up with from them. I mean, there is a reciprocal agreement that the police don't even get involved because both sets of fans end up damaging seats and, and vandalising seats and parts in the stadium. And it's a reciprocal agreement with Celtic that... Both of us will just cover the cost because it happens every game. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't have the costs and all that. It's 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 at the pathetic stage now. It really is. But we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, on a similar vein, Hearts have cut Celtic and Rangers allocation to Tynecastle to 650 fans, but they're keeping Hibs allocation at 3,600. Now, like we've said all along, if they can fill their stands with their own fans, yeah. nobody has an issue with that. Yeah. Hearts are one of the better supported clubs after all, so I, can, I believe they can do that. The problem comes when these clubs find out that they can't fill their stadiums, they get the begging bowl out for us to take more briefs, which we always do because the demand is always there. Now, of note, there's not the same outcry from any of the media outlets, any fans with Hearts doing that, like there was with us cutting Celtic's allocation for the exact same reason because we're giving our own fans the opportunity for these tickets Does that surprise you though Derek that there's no been an outcry like that no because it's no involving us Next thing again a similar vein Kelly have said that their finances have not been hit after cutting the old firm allocation funny that because their grounds have still been relatively empty so I don't understand that I mean, they narrowly avoided relegation last season, so yes, their finances may not have been hit, but did that come at a price of being less competitive in the league because they couldn't buy the players and invest in the squad? And I know they just beat us, so I know that's a bit ironic, me saying this, but that's the reality of last season. Did they have to sacrifice... They might have not spent any extra money on players so they to break even but that money would have been funded by old firm allocation. So uh, it'll be an interesting one, that. Yep. So, Dave, in the latest thing that Rangers could have done more, Saga, where we always get blamed for things, 
we were also blamed for people not being able to access homeless accommodation due to the Newcastle game. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, it's because there was increased demand for hotels due to the 8,000 Newcastle fans being there. So, apparently... A game of football is the only event in Glasgow that there has ever been in Glasgow that has taken up hotel rooms. I mean, Dave, we really should start a segment on the pod. What Rangers could have done better segment. That's what we should do because it's happening time and time again. We are getting the blame for everything. This report, to be honest, is actually truly disgusting. And I suggest that the editor of that tabloid go and take a flying fuck to themselves. It's quite incredible. It's laughable, Derek. It really is. And anybody with half a brain would look at that and say, you've got to be fucking kidding me, regardless of what team you support. But again, it doesn't surprise me. There are so many hateful people out there, especially in positions uh, like that, who will go their way to try and find any type of negative news to try and blame us. I mean, that's, that's right up there that one with, with some of the, the most ridiculous stories that I've heard about Rangers. Anything a, a black in your name, absolutely ridiculous. Next thing here is we've announced a partnership with Experience Kissimmee, the official tourism authority of Osceola County in Florida. Yeah. So they're going to be named as the official destination partner of the club and it'll include naming rights for the Edmondson House fan zone, stadium branding and co-branding campaigns in Kissimmee. So more American exposure can only be a good thing. Yep, and I'm taking personal responsibility for the amount of money that I've spent in Florida over the last sort of five <laughs> or years for that, Derek. So I'm, I'm taking that. No, great great stuff. The more exposure, the better. It's a market that's growing. The America, um, as I say, I'm, I'm just back, Derek, and the amount of European football talks that I've seen over there by far, obviously just in Florida, it's a huge destination for tourists, but the amount of American American kids that I saw out there with AC Milan jerseys on, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain was quite incredible, so that is a, a fantastic market for us to get in, so I really hope that that gives us a lot more exposure. I mean, here's the thing about American exposure, surely Other sports have got to be looking at what's happened with Formula One and Drive to Survive. Football or soccer, as it were, is starting to evolve over there as well. It's starting to get a bigger exposure. Just think out, see if you're the SPFL, think outside the box and do something like, could you get like a, a, a Drive to Survive version of Scottish football for Netflix? You know, try and get that out to the American audience. Think outside the box like that. It would be interesting to see if any league would do that, to be honest. But that's something the SPFL could do outside the box, surely. Derek, I have got absolutely no confidence that Neil Doncaster knows what Netflix even is, mate. So <laughs> we've got no chance. He'll be, he'll be thinking it's something to do with fishing or something like right. that. Or, no, no, it's certainly, we do not have a for, forward-thinking government uh, body of foot, football in Scotland for anything like that to happen. And that, that is huge out there. As you say, the Netflix do- documentaries are massive, as, you know, in, in the USA. And as I say, out, out there just now, it's messy mania. That's all you see over there. We sat and watched ESPN when we came in at night, every single night, me, me and my son, and the MLS is on it all the time. All the games were all live. They even had a tournament with the USA national team, which James Sands was playing for. It was, it was like their sort of B team 
uh, you know, the crowds, it was absolutely heaving all, you know, the stadium. So football's massive now and it's growing and that's a great market to get in. So I really, really hope that, you know, we managed to get, you know, a lot of, like I said before, a lot of ex- exposure there. But as far as our backward thinking uh, authorities that run f- football in Scotland, you've given me a chance, mate. Yeah, I I'd absolutely agree. So... Man is addicted to smelling tuna and drinks the juice straight out of the can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a man has admitted to being addicted to smelling tuna and drink will drink the juice straight out of the can. Tuna Tyler from Kansas appeared on TLC's My Strange Addiction with one particularly unique fixation. Tyler says his addiction sees him through 15 cans of the fish a week. One scene captured by the TV programme shows Tyler sitting in a quiet coffee shop as the waiter serves him a hot beverage. But no, that is not freshly brewed coffee. Instead, it's a cup of hot tuna. Okay. Tyler takes his first sip, savouring every moment before telling the waiter, yup, nice way to start the day. (laughs) He goes on to say, I love smelling tuna every day, all the time, all day, all night, any day, he says. They call me Tuna Tyler, and I'm addicted to smelling tuna. When people see me smelling tuna out in public, you know, they might think it's a little bit different for sure. It might look weird to other people, but not to me. It's perfectly fine. When asked what it is in particular that drew him to the type of fish, he describes the smell, texture, sweetness, wetness, and dryness. Tyler has even requested people to buy him cans of tuna for Christmas and Easter instead of presents. However, the Kansas native admits he loves to pair his addiction with a fresh glass of OJ. I don't mind when the juices run all down my chin, like all over my chin, because it makes me feel nice and dirty, he adds. (laughs) I won't leave that one there, Derek. I've got a feeling there's a lot more in that story for that guy than what he's actually meaning on. Yeah, I don't really want to go down that route either. No, definitely not. That's bad enough. So, on that rather weird note, we will end the podcast. So, Dave, it's been a rather long opening podcast, but we've had quite a lot to to go over there. Hopefully, we'll be back uh, next week. We've got two games to cover as well, but we'll we'll see what what we do there. But, um, yeah, let's wait and see what happens before more bedwetting happens. Is that me that you're referring that to, Derek, or just the general sort of Ranger support? Oh, come on, Dave. You're a mate. I would never, you know, say that you're a fucking bedwetting arsehole, would I? No, but you would think it, though. No, I would just say it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, on that note, thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye bye. In the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.